Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. You know, I got to be honest, I never thought Vanilla Ice would make it to one of our worship services. I just, I just, in my wildest dreams, and I just never imagined that that would be the case. Um, today, we're kicking off our message series, Stop collaborate and listen. And really, it's all about solving relationship problems. Because since Hurricane Harvey, a lot of relationships have been under strain, right? Because as people have been dealing with flooding and with neighbors that have flooded and family members and people that they know that have flooded out, and then helping people and giving and volunteering so much time, it's put a ton of strain on relationships. I mean, people, they're, they're tired, they're exhausted. Some of them have been stretched to their limits, and so people's fuses are shorter. Uh, we're a little snappier. We're a little quicker to respond. We maybe say things that we wouldn't normally say, and it's all because things are under strain. And literally, it's every relationship. It's marriages. It's engaged relationships. It, it's, it's people who are dating it's between, you know, parents and kids, between brothers and sisters, you know, with in-laws, with extended family members. There's no relationship that it doesn't touch. And, and it's also work relationships. It's relationships between bosses and employees, between coworkers, uh, between, you know, you and maybe clients or a vendor or a merchant or a customer. All those relationships have been strained. And, and even friendships with neighbors, with parents that root on the, for the same team, with parents who root for the other team. Every relationship is under stress and strain because of what we've been to. But here's the thing. God doesn't want our relationships to be strained. Hey, and when he led us to plan this relationship series, months and months and months and months ago when we planned it, we didn't know what we'd be going through. But he did. He knew that we were going to need this at this time. And so this is going to be an incredible series. I think our Heavenly Father is going to do amazing things in our lives if we will be open to what he has to say and be willing to make some changes in our lives. Now, we wanted to do this in a fun sort of way, and so we have couched this entire series in kind of a, a late 80s, you know, early 90s sort of theme, and we're going to be using objects from that era to help drive home God's truth, okay? And today... We're talking about how only God can solve the Rubik's Cube of relationships. And by the way, how many of you had a Rubik's Cube growing up as a kid? How many of you? Put your hand up. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of people. Fantastic. You know, I had one growing up as, as a kid as well. And I, I'm going to make a confession to you. I have never solved a Rubik's Cube in my entire life. Ever. I even bought a cheat book one time and I still couldn't do it. I've never solved one of these things. And so this last Christmas, I bought a Rubik's Cube for my son, Ben, because, you know, I wanted to pass that frustration down to my kids. And, <laughs> and so I've asked Ben to come today. Ben, uh, why don't you come on out here? This is my son, Ben. Everybody welcome Ben to the, to the stage this morning. Welcome, Ben. Glad that you're here. Ben, how old are you? I'm 13. Thir 13. You know what? I actually knew that. Yeah. Uh, now, listen, Ben, before the service started... I gave a Rubik's Cube to someone on the front row. So here, would you toss that to me? Good. And I asked him if he would go ahead and mix it up, okay? So here's the Rubik's Cube, and I'm going to give you four minutes to see if you can solve this cube. Four minutes. Now, there's no pressure, but I want you to understand this. 
There are 43 trillion possible combinations to a Rubik's Cube, and only one is right. Right, okay, very good. Uh, so I'm gonna give you four minutes to solve it, and listen, if you can't solve it, I, it's okay. I, I still love you, all right? It's, 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 it's all right. So um, we're gonna give them four minutes on the clock to solve it. Okay, Ben, on your mark, get set, go, all right? Now, as he's trying to solve the Rubik's Cube, I'm gonna go ahead and talk because, look, let's be honest, it's a little bit boring to just watch somebody work on a Rubik's Cube for four minutes, okay? Um, and like I said, I've never in my entire life solved Rubik's Cube, and believe me, I have tried. And when I first got it, I could, I got to the point where I could do the top layer. Like, I, I had that nailed. And eventually, I got to the point where I could do the second row all the way around as well, but I could never ever, 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 ever get the bottom row. Because every time I started trying to work on the bottom row, like I would just mess up everything I'd already done. And so it was so frustrating for me that I decided I'm gonna try to find a shortcut. And so what I did was I decided I was gonna start, you know, peeling the stickers <laughs> off. Anybody ever try, anybody try to peel the stickers off? Yeah, it's, it's darn near impossible. Because the super glue they use for those things is just ridiculous. So I could, and then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to break this thing apart. I'm going to just jam it all back together the right way. And so as I started to kind of like crack it open, I realized like, I'm going to break this thing. And so I, you know, gave that up. And so what I eventually did was I just put it on the shelf and I just walked away from it because I could not solve it. So anyway, I, I realized relationships are a lot like a Rubik's Cube. They're really complicated, and they're hard to fix. And just when we think we've got it all worked out, something happens, and it just gets messed up, and then we can't work on it anymore. And you know what a lot of people do? They get so frustrated with the Rubik's Cube, or with their relationships, that like a Rubik's Cube, they just put it on... Two minutes, woo, way, way to go, woo. Man, way to redeem the family name, good job, Ben. <laughs> hey, let's give him a hand. All right, Ben, thanks so much for coming today. Woo, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I, first of all, I'm unbelievable that he was able to do that that fast. But here's the deal, when it comes to relationships, God can solve our relationship problems faster than we ever thought possible. Whatever that relationship problem is, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in your family, whether it's work, or whether it's a friendship, God can solve it faster if you and I will let him. But if we try to do it on our own, we might get pretty far, but we'll never fully solve it the way that God can fully solve it. But here's the deal. If we take our relationships to God, he, whatever that problem is in your marriage, he can fix that. He can fix that communication with your teenager. He can heal that issue that you have with that person that you're dating or with your fiance. Whatever that is, he can fix those work relationships. He can fix those relationships at school. He can fix those friendships. But you got to take them to him. And when you give it to him, he can do it faster and better than you ever thought possible. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean that there's not going to have to be some changing on our part. I, I can guarantee there will. Because look, in a relationship, the only person that we can really change is us, right? 
So we've got to be willing to do whatever God wants to do. We've got to let God change us. So in talking about relationship problems, it reminds me of what happened with the 12 disciples one day. You know, here's these 12 guys. You know, they're, <clears throat> they're following Jesus with all their hearts. And you would think that these are the last guys that would really have relationship problems. Because, you know, we th- like to think of the disciples, you know, as Jesus, you know, and his band of just merry men wandering the countryside, doing good to help everybody else. I mean, they're with Jesus. What kind of relationship problems can these guys have, right? But they did. So look at your message notes. Look at what happens in this first passage of Scripture. In Mark chapter 10, verse 35, the Bible says this. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. That's Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. All right, first off, if anybody ever comes to you and says, hey, we want you to do whatever I ask, uh, the answer is always no, (laughs) okay? It's always no. And so Jesus is too smart for these guys. And so Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Now look, I don't know about you, but if Jesus asked me kind of in a parental sort of way, hey, do you really know what you're asking for? I, I, I would probably respond with, well, I thought I did, but uh, maybe I really don't. I mean, what I, I'm not going to respond with, oh, bring it on. I mean, that's basically what James and John did, okay? Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared, okay? Now, here's where the relationship problem happens. Verse 41. When the 10, the other guys, heard about this, they became indignant. I want you to underline that. They became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority of them. Not so with you, okay? And now, Jesus is about to solve the Rubik's Cube of relationships in record time, okay? Two sentences, check it out. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life, as a ransom for many. So, taking what Jesus says, what does God want me to do? Or what does God want to do in me to solve the Rubik's Cube relationships? Here's the first thing he wants you to do and me to do. Number one, voluntarily, voluntarily take a lower seat. Voluntarily take a lower seat. Because look, here's the deal. Get this. You will never, never, ever, ever be able to solve any relationship problems as long as you are your primary concern. It'll never happen. Now, the exception is if there's abuse involved, okay? If there's abuse involved, then you need to get to a safe place, okay? If a relationship, if in that relationship, an abusive relationship, if that means that you need to move out, you need to move out. But if there's abuse involved, 
then you need to remove yourself from that relationship, okay? But listen, today, I'm not primarily talking about abuse. I'm talking about regular sorts of relationships that we all have, okay? So like, let's take the disciples, for instance. So here these guys are, you know, they're serving God with all their hearts. They've left everything to follow Jesus. And now two of them go to Jesus privately to try to work a deal so that they'll become the top two guys in his kingdom. Because remember, the disciples, they still think that Jesus is gonna overthrow the Romans and become king. Well, this really honks the other disciples off. I mean, they, they're hot at James and John because how dare they go and try to work a backroom deal with Jesus to secure the top two spots? And I'm sure James and John were like, guys, like, what's the problem? Like, the other 10 spots are yours. You should be happy with that. Well, the other disciples weren't happy with that. And James and John weren't happy with the thought that somebody else would get the other, the top two spots. So they've created a huge relationship problem. Because look, let me say it again. You will never, ever be able to solve a relationship problem as long as you are your primary concern. Okay. And you've seen this a hundred times. Okay, This is why brothers and sisters have such a difficult time getting along. Because they always fight about, you know, who, who, who gets to watch what. They fight about whose turn it is to, you know, dry and whose turn it is to wash. You know, who gets which piece of pie. You know, whatever they're fighting about. Because they're always trying to work an angle that primarily benefits them at the expense of the other. You've seen this. You know this. But I'm telling you, you will never solve any relationship problems as long as you are your primary concern. It, it, it's really true. And you can look, you can, like a Rubik's Cube, you can twist and you can turn and you can move and you can rearrange anything you want in your relationships with whoever it is. But as long as you're primarily concerned about you, it's not gonna work because the other person is never going to agree to something that benefits you because they're trying to think of themselves first as well. So never find a solution. So what is the solution? Well, look what Jesus tells the disciples on another occasion. In Luke 14, he says this, verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. That's, you know, sitting up by the bride or the groom. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come to you and say, give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, and I want you to underline this, take the lowest place. Take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So look, what Jesus is saying to you, he's saying, voluntarily take whatever is the least desired. Voluntarily give up whatever it is that thing that you both want. Voluntarily take a lower seat. That's what he's saying to you. Now, get this. Does that mean that you're going to get taken advantage of? Absolutely. In fact, I guarantee you that you will. But you know what else it means? 
it means that the relationship will get better. It'll, it'll get better. Because at that point, whatever the issue is at hand won't become a lasting issue because you have voluntarily given up whatever it is that you're both after. Look, and in the end, get this. If God wants you to be at a higher place, if God wants you to promote you, he will. Just like the master of the banquet, you know, promoted the person who took the lower seat, if you will take a lower seat, if God wants to promote you and he wants to lift you up, he will. So put it in God's hands. Quit trying to control it all yourself. Voluntarily take a lower seat in whatever is going on. And if you do that, you know what? You'll become the easiest person to get along with. You'll become the person that everybody else wants to be around. You'll become the kind of person that, oddly enough, has little or no conflict with other people. Because you let other people take advantage of you all the time? No. Because you voluntarily give up your, the higher seat and you voluntarily take a lower seat. And then you basically say, God, I'm trusting you to handle the rest. That's what it means. Okay? All right, that's the first way God solves relationship issues. Here's the second. Number two is this. Only speak positively to another person. Only speak positively to another person. Like, I mean, I tell my kids this all the time. I'm like, hey, what would happen if you were to only speak positively to the other kids at your school? If at your school, if all you ever said was something positive to someone about, you know, their achievements or their grades or, you know, their appearance or, you know, how, how or, you know, their athleticism or their intelligence or what, if all you did was say positive things to other kids at school, like what would happen to school? Would, it, would that change the culture of your school? They're like, yeah, dad, it would. But it's true. You know, think about your workplace. Think about your own family. If you were to only say positive, encouraging things to people, would that change the culture of those places? Well, of course it would. And look, it doesn't cost you anything to give a compliment. It's not like you get a bill for it, right? It doesn't cost you anything to give somebody else a compliment, to say something positive. Look, if somebody else gets a promotion that you wanted, it is okay for you to congratulate them. If somebody else achieves a goal that you want to achieve or somebody else is named captain, it is okay for you to congratulate them on that. And at the same time, it's okay for you to be personally disappointed that you didn't. It's all right. But that doesn't stop you from speaking positively to them. Okay? Look what the Bible says. Check out this verse. This is so powerful. In Hebrews chapter 3, Verse 13, here's what the Bible says. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. So when does God say to encourage people? Today. Well, what about tomorrow? Well, you know what? When tomorrow becomes today, then encourage them today. That's what, he, that's what he's saying. So as long as the day is called today, you encourage somebody. That's what you do. I'm telling you, look, this, this one principle could change everything. It could change everything at your office. It could change everything at your school. It could change everything in your family if you would take this seriously and do it. So here's your assignment this week. This week, I want you to make a commitment to God to say, okay, God, 
I'm asking you to help me say something positive to at least one person every single day this week. Would you be willing to make that commitment? Say, God, help me to speak positively. And here's the thing. If you start building up people like that, then I'm going to bet you by the end of the week, there's some relationships that you thought that were harder to fix than a Rubik's Cube. You'll find that they've improved. You'll find that they've gotten better because this is how God solves relationship problems. All right? All right, number three. Here we go. One last thing. Serve the other person without thanks expected. <clears throat> Serve the other person without thanks expected. Okay, remember when James and John, uh, you know, kind of tried to work that backroom deal with Jesus. Look what Jesus says at the end in verse 43. He said, instead, Jesus talking to disciples, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. I want you to circle servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave, circle the word slave, of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. <clears throat> now, I want you to notice that when Jesus says, in order for you to become great, you have to do more than just be nice. You've got to do more than just be encouraging. You have to be a servant. You have to become a slave of the other, pe of the other person. Now look, when Jesus says slave, he's not talking about slavery like we had in America that caused the Civil War, okay? You've got to get that out of your mind, okay? Slaves served, yes, but they weren't abused, all right? So you just got to get that, that comparison out of your mind. But to serve like Jesus is talking about means that you serve other people regardless of how they treat you. That regardless of how they treat you, you still serve them. That... <clears throat> even if they never say thank you. That doesn't change anything for you. You're, you're not serving them to be thanked. You're not serving them to be recognized for your service. And look, and I know exactly half of this room is thinking, oh, finally, finally somebody recognizes what it's like to be a mom. <laughs> right? Because being a mom is one of the most thankless jobs in the world, right? It is. And actually, it's a, actually a really good comparison of what Jesus is talking about. You serve people whether you get thanked or not. It doesn't have anything to do with it. And so I want you to do this. I want you to think about the relationship in your life that is under the most strain right now or the one that's the most broken. Think about that relationship, okay? Now, I know this is going to be hard because I can guarantee you there's going to be some emotion tied up into it. So for, but just for the next 45 seconds, would you please do your best? Just put that emotion aside, okay? Think about the relationship. Got it? All right, so here's what I want to say to this. What would happen in that relationship over time if you decided that you were going to serve that person without the expectation of being thanked? Over time, what would happen in that relationship if you just served that person without the expectation of being thanked? What would happen? Well, here's what would happen. It'd be one of two things. First thing that could happen is nothing might change. Just nothing would change. That person would continue to take advantage of you. That person would just continue to treat you however they treat you. And if that happens, you know what? You're no better, but you're no worse off either. Maybe nothing would change. 
but it opens the possibility for a second, nearly miraculous thing to happen. That if you just serve that person without any expectation of even a thank you, then after a period of time, it won't happen right away, but after a period of time, that person will come to understand that you genuinely love them. That you genuinely love them because they have seen you serve them time and time and time again without even the expectation of a thank you. They will serve, they will realize that you love them not because of what you can get from them, because you haven't gotten anything. They'll realize that you genuinely love them just because you love them. And at that point, God changes the relationship forever. I'm telling you, it can be huge. So what relationship do you need to start serving in? What relationship is strained where you need to start serving that person? Because I'm telling you, look, all of that we're talking about today, all of it begins with, and, and I actually, I mean this seriously, it all begins with when you stop, you collaborate with God about what he wants to do, and you listen to him and obey what he's telling you. So when you stop, you collaborate because you're listening. That's how God changes relationships, right? Okay, one last thought, and then we're gonna go. Um, Jesus did everything that we're talking about today. Did you know that? Everything that we're talking about today, Jesus did. Jesus himself, like, he gave up his throne in heaven. He gave up his higher seat and took a lower seat by just coming down to this earth. Jesus served us without any expectation of being thanked. And he voluntarily, he, he voluntarily, he gave up the, his higher seat and then he spoke words of, uh, of positive things to us because look, listen, when he was being crucified, he told the people, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And then, like I said, he voluntarily served us by going to the cross, by willing to die for us. Jesus did all these things for us. And so what that means is, is that for us, everything begins with the cross. You know, anybody who's ever solved a Rubik's Cube knows that the first thing that you have to do to really solve a Rubik's Cube is you've got to take that first panel and you've got to make it into a cross. They know that in order to solve, really solve a Rubik's Cube, the first position that you've got to get to is you've got to take the top of it and you've got to make it across. And the same is true for me and you. Not to solve a Rubik's Cube, but to solve every relationship problem. It starts with the cross. It starts with the cross of Christ. And so look for you. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you have to start there. Because when Jesus died on a cross, he basically said, God, don't punish him. Don't punish her for the sins punish me instead. And Jesus was punished for your sins and mine when he died on the cross. So for you, if you need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you, because he took the punishment for your sin on his cross, start there. There's a prayer. It's in your worship notes. Pray that prayer. If you've already prayed that prayer, or even once you do pray that prayer, then at that point, it's taking every relationship to Jesus 
at the cross and saying, Jesus, I need you to fix this. And by doing so, start with me. That is how God solves the Rubik's Cube of every relationship. Bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you that truthfully you do solve the Rubik's Cube of every relationship. And I thank you that you have every relationship in mind that we have in our lives. You're, You're thanking of those relationships right now. And I ask that you would give us the courage to follow you and to trust you in the process, that you would give us the courage, God, to take a lower seat, to voluntarily give up whatever it is we want, that we would speak only positive words, and that, God, that you would help us be the kind of people that serve others without any expectation of being thanked. Jesus, you served us by going to the cross. Well, without us, without knowing whether we would even say thank you. And so help us. Heavenly Father, to solve the relationship problems by putting them in your hands and use us for your glory. And bring us back next week, God, as we continue to learn more. It's in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app, for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.